0: Hello.
1: Sup, podcasters.
0: Welcome to Together for Salem. I'm Monica, Aaron. Thank you. And this is put out by Cross Creek Community Church. We are a church in Salem, for Salem. Mm -hmm. Helping people, helping each other. That's right. Discover, enjoy, and share the life Jesus offers.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Together. I'm so glad you're watching. This is going to be our final part of the Rethink series. Oh,
1: remember last week when we said it was the last part? Yeah. This clip? Yeah. Next week, new series. What are we going (gasps) to be? Exciting? What will
0: it be? Okay. Sometimes we make
1: mistakes. Whoops. Yeah. This one is the last part. This
0: is actually the last one of the Rethink series, which actually has been a really helpful series. It
1: has been. Series for me. What's Rethink- this one about?
0: Rethinking following Jesus Rethinking. in the first 21st century, after looking at what it was like in the first century. This one's about why are Christians jerks or wimps? Mm. So what are, what, where would you fall on that spectrum of jerk to wimp?
1: Pretty wimpy. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Lover, not a fighter. How right. about you?
0: Pretty jerky. <laughs> Picture. Pretty sure, keep definitely a fighter. <laughs> nice. <laughs> That's why we're together. Excellent. But in all seriousness, we do hope this is helpful. If you're a Jesus follower, mm-hmm. um, we know you'll find this content helpful. If you're not a Jesus follower and maybe you've been asking that question, we aren't afraid to ask it. We aren't afraid to talk about it. That's right. Um, we know we can be jerks or wimps sometimes, mm-hmm. um, but we're going to take a look at Peter and John, the Apostle John, and uh, glean some information from Acts chapters three and four. So. Jesus follower, not Jesus follower, new or old, you're welcome here. We're so glad you're watching or listening on the podcast. Fill out the welcome form if you haven't done that Mm -hmm. and say hello to us. That'd be great. And that's it. Yeah. We're going to come back on the other side with a couple of announcements, giveaways, yada, yada, yada.
1: More fun stuff. Hello. We'll see you. (laughs) Goodbye. We'll see you in a bit. (laughs)
2: we all know by now that there's a big difference between um, first century Christianity and kind of what it is in America in the 21st century. And in the last few episodes, if you've been watching this series, we've been hitting pretty hard on the uh, aggressive Christianity that we've been seeing lately around us. And we've been focusing on that for a good reason. But uh, when we see, for a lot of us, when we see that type of Christianity, that aggressive, loud, Christianity, we're, we're so repulsed by it, rightfully so, that uh, we in no way want to be grouped with those types of Christians, right? Are you with me on that? And so the problem is when we, when we see that, and we don't want to be associated with that, we kind of swing the pendulum to the other side. Instead of being aggressively loud, we're passively silent. And it often seems that a Jesus followers' choices are to be either aggressively loud, Or passively silent. And you see this in in the media too, right? There's always two types, two stereotypes of Christians in the media. You either have like the crazy, hate-filled, screamer Christian, or the the, the sweet little doormat, you you can do anything you want to me. Quiet Christian, right? And because we don't want to be labeled as the crazy, angry, intolerant Christian, we tend to turn following Jesus. Into just this idea of you know we need to we need to be nice and maybe we'll read our Bible every once in a while but I'm not gonna tell anybody we're not doing that we're not gonna like take it anywhere and read it in public and we pray but you know we're not gonna like say hey can I pray for you because that'd be awkward right and you know we we do go to or start watching church stuff and even though we go to church whatever that really means because it's not a place you go and we've talked about that a few times this. It's still a uh, very individualistic experience. We keep our following Jesus kind of just to ourselves, right? It's something, something we do on our own in the, in the privacy of our own home or just with our, our little group of people that believe the same things or at least believe some of the main things. It's not something that really gets, gets talked about with others in our real life or our, our daily life because we don't want that crazy Christian label, right? Right? And so we do nice things for people because you know following Jesus is being kind to others, but we do nice things and we just leave it at that. The result of that isn't that more people get to know who Jesus is and know that God loves them. The result of that really is, oh, aren't, isn't that person so nice? And Jesus is never really mentioned when we do those things or, or the kindness isn't like addressed of why we're being kind because we're Jesus followers and we're trying to love you the way Jesus loves you. And a lot of Jesus followers agree that, you know, with this idea that following Jesus is something others would at the very least benefit from. But, you know, talking about it and, and explaining what it is to follow Jesus and all that, that's, that's something for the pros or those like people who are really into it, right? But the truth is, following Jesus is neither aggressively loud nor is it pa- being passively silent. There is a third option graciously confident. See, we if you're a Jesus follower, we all have a role to play in the kingdom of heaven. We are all invited to be part of the mission of Jesus, of bringing heaven to earth now, and that is so much more than, than just being quietly nice to people, right? And so we, even though we're not the aggressively loud ones, we need to still rethink what it means to follow Jesus in the 21st century. And when we do that, what we'll find is Jesus followers graciously and confidently act like, talk like, and love like Jesus. I want to show you what I mean by that. We find a an awesome example in what we call the Book of Acts. It's actually kind of like the Gospel of Luke, Part 2. Luke wrote the Gospel of Luke, the, the biography of Jesus' life where he goes and interviews everybody. And then he wrote, like, Part 2 called acts which is basically the story of what jesus did through his followers after he ascended to heaven how the early church grew what the first jesus followers did and said and 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 thought like and so we we get that this story pretty early on in his account peter and john went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the three o'clock prayer service and we're going to stop there i know there's not deep theology there but i just want to kind of set this who these guys are if you've, you know, kind of been around church and stuff, you know who Peter and John are, Jesus' disciples. So Peter's the guy who, you know, we talked about this, walked on the water. Saw Jesus walking on the water, and for some reason he was like, Jesus, I want to try that. He starts walking, and then he starts sinking, right? And Jesus is like, why didn't you trust me? And Peter's also the guy that uh, Jesus had to say, get behind me, Satan, because Satan was using Peter to try to dissuade Jesus. And Peter's also the guy who denied Jesus three times. So that's the Peter that we're looking at here. And then John is the same John, who when the Samaritan village was like, no, Jesus, you can't stay here overnight. John and his, his brother James were like, Jesus, let's burn him up with fire from heaven, right? And he's also the John who asked his mommy to go ask Jesus if he could rule with him when the kingdom comes. So these are the two guys, right? Peter and John. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was, bes- he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the Beautiful Gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, look at us. Look at us. They looked at him intently. I just want to stop there because how often do you, do we, make eye contact with the other human beings who are outside our car holding signs, asking for some help? How often do we actually look at them? Peter and John looked at this man intently, and they didn't say, hey, dude, what are you doing? Get a job. You know, the Bible says, there was no Bible then, but the Bible says he who doesn't work doesn't eat, you know, so maybe you should get a job. And they didn't just ignore him, right? They graciously gave him their attention. They gave him their time. They looked at him. They saw him. They saw a man created in the image of God in need, begging to just stay alive. And they, sh- they showed him that he was seen, that they saw him, that they took the time to acknowledge him. See, a Jesus follower's graciousness comes from seeing others as Jesus sees them. We need to take the time to actually see people. The man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you. <laughs> Poor guy. He's like, oh, then why are you wasting my time? But I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. This is the Peter who, you know, denied Jesus and started sinking in the water. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. Then, walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with them. All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. When they realized he was the lame beggar they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. Wouldn't you be? They all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade, where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. And so all these people rush out and they see this man jumping and leaping and and praising God, and he's clinging to Peter and John. And they're like, "Holy cow! How did you? How did you do this? You guys are amazing!" And Peter and John, it says Peter saw his opportunity. And he said, look, everybody, this wasn't us, right? This, was, this man was healed through Jesus. He was the Savior, the Messiah that our Jewish people have been waiting for, the Chosen One. He was the Savior sent by God. But you killed him. But God raised him. You didn't know what you were doing when you killed him. In fact, it was God's plan all along for him to die for our sins. So, and this is basically like the, the gist of every message we see in the book of Acts. You, he was God. You killed him. So say you're sorry and start trusting him. Believe in him. And there's such a commotion, such a crowd. And while Peter and John are, are preaching, that the, the temple guard comes and arrests them. But the group of Jesus followers in Jerusalem grows to about 5,000, meaning like in that moment they added about 2,000 people to their small, small church. And so they're, they're arrested and they have to appear for trial. The next day, the council of all the rulers and elders and teachers of religious law met in Jerusalem. Annas the high priest was there, along with Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and other relatives of the high priest. So Peter and John are having their trial, and these are like the, the leaders coming in. You have the, this group of people is kind of like the mafia of the religious elite of Jerusalem at the time. You have Annas, who was a high priest, and he's kind of like the godfather. He had arranged for his sons and his son-in-law, Caiaphas, to be high priests after him, but he kind of still held the reins of power. And if you recognize the name Caiaphas, that's because he was the high priest during Jesus' trial. He's the one who had Jesus killed. In fact, he had a servant who went to arrest Jesus, and Peter had actually cut off his ear, and Jesus had healed it. So I can imagine, like, during this trial, Caiaphas' servant comes up and hands Caiaphas some water, and he sees Peter. He's like, oh, crap, i got to get out of here. But anyway, these guys are Sadducees, and we're kind of getting in the weeds here, but Sadducees didn't believe that at the end of time, God would raise people physically from the dead. The, the Pharisees did, but the Sadducees didn't believe in like the, a resurrection, right? So the story of Jesus kind of a big deal, right? They're like, no, people don't raise from the dead, which is really not that different from a lot of people now, like rightfully so. Like the story of Jesus rising from the dead, right? Kind of like the main thing of Christianity. They're like, well, obviously that didn't happen because dead people don't come back to life. Or my answer is always like, yeah, that's kind of the point why it's such a big deal that Jesus did it, right? But anyway, they, they put Peter and John on trial. They brought in the two disciples and demanded, By what power or in whose name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of our people, are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? Do you want to know how he was healed? Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene the man you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. For Jesus is the one referred to in the scriptures where it says, the stone that you builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Holy cow! Look at the guts and the courage of Peter. Like When he says he's he's in front of the, the religious elite of the elite, and he says, yeah, this guy, you want to know how he was healed? By Jesus, the man you, yeah, you, Caiaphas, sitting there, all of you plotted together, the man you crucified. And he knew full well that these guys could do the same thing to Peter and John. Like They, they had the power to have them stoned to death. Now, where did this courage, where did this boldness, this confidence come from? Didn't come from them, right? We saw who Peter and John are. John's got got this hot head and wants to burn everybody up, and somehow he's actually able to bite his tongue. Peter, this coward who denied Jesus to a, a servant, little servant girl, where did they get this courage? They're nobody fishermen, standing in front of like the highest people of their entire society. Well, it says, Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. The confidence came from the Holy Spirit. And if you're not a Jesus follower, and even if you are, I understand this Holy Spirit idea has been used and abused, and it, at the very least, it's a weird concept. But basically, it's this, that God in three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the Trinity, that for a Jesus follower, the Holy Spirit indwells us, controls us, guides us, leads us. It's kind of like, the holy we are a glove, and, the, and when we have the Holy Spirit fill us and, and use us and, and empower us, He's the hand filling the glove and moving us to to do God's work, and the the Holy Spirit is is promised to every person who trusts Jesus with their life now and forever. It's like this seal. This like you are sealed with the Holy Spirit. Maybe you've heard that. He's He's the Helper that Jesus sends to us. So a Jesus follower's confidence isn't rooted in what we know or what we believe. Or, you know, what we do, a Jesus follower's confidence is rooted in the Holy Spirit. The fact that we have the Holy Spirit of God living in us and moving us. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. Now, this boldness, and you might be thinking, see, John, we're supposed to be bold for, for Jesus. We're supposed to, you know, go to the park and, and yell at people who don't believe in God and, and, and fight for our Christian rights. That's not the, what that word means. See, this boldness is not an aggressive combativeness. This boldness is confidence, openness, feeling the freedom just to speak openly, to just state the truth, not to win an argument or start an argument but to just say the truth. See, what bold, what are, they, what are they bold about? What are they confident about? What are they open about? It's not their political views. It's not their, their views on whether we should wear masks or not. It's not their views on the economy or, or lack of morality in society. No, what are they bold about? The simple fact of who Jesus is and the fact that he said he would die and rise again And then he actually did it, and they saw it. That's what they're bold about. That simple story. And it says they were amazed because they're ordinary men, meaning they didn't have any training in in the Torah, in the religious law of the Jews. See, they weren't confident in what they believed, either. They weren't confident in what they had learned from their years of study of scriptures. They weren't confident in what they had read. They were confident in what they personally had seen, and experienced. All they were doing was saying, this is what happened. They didn't have all these fancy arguments and and ways of and charts and graphs and all that. They just said, this is what happened. Jesus was here. You killed him. He's alive again. And we've seen him and he has changed our lives. See, do you ever feel like you don't know enough about the Bible or or Jesus or Christianity to, to share it with others? I totally get that. I've been there too. Well, do you ever feel like you don't know enough to to share the story of your favorite vacation? (laughs) Right? You're like, well, how do those come? Well, because you were there for your favorite vacation. You know the story. You can't get it wrong. It's your story. See, your experience with Jesus, if you're a Jesus follower, your experience with Jesus is a story that has been given to you to share. I like to say, if you've experienced it, you can share it. It's your story. You are an expert at your own story, your own experience with Jesus. See, what is there to argue about or defend when it's just you telling your story of what actually has happened? It's your experience. It's, it is what it is. There's nothing to debate. Your story is just sharing what has happened to you. It can be as, as simple as, 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 simple as Look, I don't understand all of this Christianity stuff. I don't understand all this Jesus stuff and the Trinity and all that, but I know Jesus has changed me. Or, to quote, quote, my new favorite show.
0: I was one way. And now I am completely different. And the thing that happened in between was Him.
2: Or, look, I went through a hard time too. My life was rough. What got me through it was Jesus? What got me through it was the love of Jesus through through my connect group or or through my my friend or or through this passage of scripture that I read. See, it doesn't have to be complicated. We are simply sharing our story. And when Peter and John did that, these elite religious guys recognized that they had been with Jesus. There's like, man, this these people sound familiar. Oh right, they are just as graciously and confidently for them, annoying and aggravating and impossible to answer back as Jesus was. Like they recognize that, oh, we can't argue with this because it's just what happened. See, remember, Jesus followers act like, talk like, and love like Jesus. It's kind of like how our kids can't help but resemble their parents, right? With their mannerisms, even, even their looks if they're your biological kids. But even if they just act like you because that's how they were raised. You are their parent. They act like you. Jesus is our Lord. Jesus is our King. We act like him. And so Peter gives this, this response of, look, you killed him, but he's alive again. And he's the only one that can offer true salvation, true forgiveness of sins, true life now and forever. And these guys say, well, we can't argue really with them because the, the guy they healed is, is standing right next to them. And so we can't argue that a good deed was done so how about we just you know we we, we're the elite and they're just these little fishermen how about we command them not to speak and teach in the name of jesus anymore with a stern warning (laughs) and so they do that and peter says well look should we obey god or you we cannot stop talking about everything we have seen and heard we can't, it wasn't, we can't stop arguing about the scriptures. We can't stop, you know, debating you about whatever. It was, we can't stop talking about everything we have seen and heard. They couldn't stop talking about their story. They're just telling the true story of what had happened. And now a side note, I think this is a, a good thing to see, especially now for, for Jesus followers, that uh, it's not really persecution. It's not the leadership going against God until they actually tell you to stop talking about Jesus. That's when you can defy the government, which is what Peter and John did. And so you might be thinking, you know, that's cool, John, like cool story, bro. But uh, I would never say bro. But see, it was Peter and John, it was these two special equipped full-time dudes who's, who lived with Jesus for for three years that were doing this. Like you have to be like the pro, right? Like you said, before not so fast Bob see before Jesus left he made a promise to the entire group but you talking to his followers will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you all of you will be my witnesses telling people about me about what you've seen and experienced everywhere in Jerusalem throughout Judea in Samaria and to the ends of the earth and his followers took that seriously See, we see that because when Peter and John go back to their group, when they go back to their church, the ecclesia, the group of Jesus followers, they all get together and they pray because they've now been warned that bad things are going to happen if they keep talking about Jesus, but they know they can't stop because Jesus told them to keep telling people. And so this is part of what they pray. And now, O Lord, hear their threats, the religious leaders, and give us, your servants, great boldness. This is the entire church praying this. Give us great boldness in preaching your word, Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After this prayer, the meeting place shook, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness, just like they asked God for. And this boldness is the exact same word that we saw earlier when Peter had the boldness to share. Right? It wasn't to fight. It was the boldness of openness. Please help us just say what is true. Help us be open about what we have seen and experienced. It was a boldness that wasn't from them, wasn't based on them. They were bold because Jesus had promised to be with them when when they were making disciples. And this boldness was because the Holy Spirit was with them. See, they were all in it together. They all asked for this boldness to keep sharing what they had seen and experienced. Every Jesus follower has a story to share and a role to play. And so as we wrap up this series, I, we, I feel like we need, I need to remind us that we need to rethink what it means to follow Jesus in the 21st century. Following Jesus is not just knowing about Jesus. It's being willing to actually know Jesus. Following Jesus is not just a pious lifestyle to endure, but it is a full life to enjoy. It's not about trying to have more faith, but choosing to trust Jesus every day. It's not about pushing our agenda, but living for Jesus' purpose. And it's not about defining ourselves by what we are against, but defining ourselves by who we are for. And following Jesus is not about being better than others, but it's about serving others Better And finally, as we saw today, following Jesus doesn't require us to be aggressively loud or passively silent. Jesus followers graciously and confidently act like, talk like, and love like Jesus. See, Jesus followers are the picture of Jesus to the rest of the world. We are Jesus' representatives on earth, and we all have a story to tell and a role to play. So what is your story? What is your role? We're not all going to speak to rulers and nations, but we can speak to our neighbors. We can speak to our coworkers and our friends and our family. And we might not change the world, but we can change somebody's world. We might not heal paralyzed legs, but we can be used to heal paralyzed hearts, paralyzed relationships, by sharing what we have seen and experienced. And so if you are ready to play your role, there's three things I think that can help you in that. First. Read Acts. Read Acts 1 through 8. I know that that can be a big chunk. Read that and see what it was like to follow Jesus in the first century. And maybe add on top of that, or if that's too much, read Colossians 4, 5, and 6. Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. Gracious and attractive. Other translations say seasoned with salt, meaning being wise in how we say things and when we say things, being gracious and attractive, showing what does love look like when we share what we have seen and experienced. So read that and then pray. If you're ready to play your role, pray. Please, Jesus, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Make me loving, patient, wise, kind, gracious and bold today. Let me see who you want me to see today and let me love them how you want me to love them today. And then do it. Share. First, share your life with people. Give time. See. Show people that you see them. Give your life. Give your story. Share your story. Share these episodes. Like, literally click share and be like, hey, this meant something to me. And then share our gatherings so people can actually see that we are getting together and that they can be loved in a community. Share with somebody. When somebody's going through a hard time, instead of if you're a Jesus follower, instead of saying, you know, internally, man, I'm so glad I have hope in Jesus, maybe actually share that hope, right? Take the step and share the hope you have experienced. Tell someone you're praying for them and then and then do it. Or just be present with people. Show them that there is somebody who sees them and cares about them. You might not have, you might have gold and silver to share. Actually, you know what? You're an American, you do how gold and silver to share. So choose to share it with those who need it and you might have time and attention to give. In fact, again, you know, we all have the same 24 hours everyone's had for the history of the world to give to others. So give it, choose to share your time and attention like Peter and John did. And we definitely all have life and love to give. So share it. Jesus offers everyone a life of true meaning, purpose, joy, love, peace and acceptance. He has chosen his followers to invite everyone into that life together. So we need to rethink what it means to follow Jesus in the 21st century. Following Jesus isn't aggressively and loudly trying to convert the world to our version of Christianity. Following Jesus isn't passively and silently watching those around us struggle struggle alone when we can help them. Following Jesus is graciously and confidently inviting our neighbors to discover, enjoy, and share the life Jesus offers together.
0: That's a wrap. If you missed any of the Rethink series, they're all online for you. Uh, But just that challenge to play our part, Mm. share our story, we have a a role to play. That's That's exciting. Yeah. So... Some good challenges there at the end, and we are excited about the next series, which is called Influenced, mm-hmm. so should be a good one. Stay tuned for more on that, but right now, we're going to give away two. This is a big giveaway this week. People like the sushi. And How many
1: reactions did we get this week? We had a
0: few reactions, so why yeah. don't you pick a number real quick? I'm going to go look on my computer. Salem
1: loves sushi. Pick a number
0: between 1 and 21. This is
1: for the new joint, In Town Tokyo Roll mm-hmm. 2. Scroll, up. scroll Scroll, scroll,
0: uh, scroll, scroll. The winner for that one is Janelle B. Awesome. Janelle B. Janelle
1: B. You're going to go have some sushi.
0: Yep. So thank the you, Janelle. The
1: looks especially
0: Yes. So thank you for entering. Uh, thank you to everybody who entered mm-hmm. and a lot of people tagged their friends, which we love to see. It's just a great way to share um, more information about Tokyo Roll. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a way for other people to enter, so that's cool when you tag people. That's right. Um, so we're going to give away $25 to Gambaretti's this that's week, right, which is a Salem place. Yep. Do you want to tell us about Gambaretti's? It's
1: great food, local ingredients. Yep. Yeah. Italian, we also, seafood. Yeah, we need to go there too.
0: Yep. Great spot. It's down in Pringle Park Plaza, mm-hmm. nearish downtown. Mm-hmm. Yep. So pretty cool spot. So Gambaretti's. Thank you for being in Salem. Thank you for being for Salem. You guys can enter to win. You can email us to enter, or you can just uh, do that on social media when it pops up on Monday. Mm -hmm. So Gambaretti's, check them out. We've tagged them in our description and show notes. That's right. As usual. We have a couple in-person gatherings coming up in August, August 8th and 22nd, so always the 2nd and 4th Sundays. And if you want to know more, (laughs) more information about those, you can go to our website, on the podcast Aaron and I are dancing for you
1: just back and forth yeah um, little Mickey Mouse action or whatever that is oh Mickey Mouse I don't know what that is
0: On the website, there's a link in the show notes description on the screen, www.yourcrosspreak.com slash party, Mm -hmm. and -hmm. you'll get information about our in-person gatherings. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So we really also want to remind you, connect groups are ramping back up. Some groups have kind of taken a little break this summer Mm -hmm. um, because people are camping and such, but they're ramping back up. So if you want to be part of a connect group, there's room for you. Yeah. Um, Alliances are forming, which are one-on-one connections, Mm -hmm. where you can choose a book or something to study, and we have resources on the website for you there alliances. When you donate to Cross Creek it keeps a good thing going, pays for all this stuff, helps us with future plans, helps Mm -hmm. us with for opportunities, so that's awesome, and there's kids content online. Always kids content online for your
1: kiddos. All the stuff's on the website. What do you know? You should check it out if you haven't already.
0: You know what else they should check out? These questions.
1: Salem. Let me write that down real quick. You're gonna write it upside down. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's Tokyo Roll, not Tokyo Roll, right? Tokyo Roll. Tokyo Roll. Roll. We're representing Cross Creek Community Church.
0: Some Podcasters! Wimp, jerk.
1: See you in a bit. We're done. Done, we're done. <laughs>